Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Joyful. I am joyful. As we have come off the Advent Sunday of joy, I thank God for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I'm always reminded uh, the pink candle, it's actually rose is the name of the the color, but the pink candle that illustrates the joy of the Lord. Uh, My daughter has our pink candle from a few years ago in her room from our home Advent wreath because that was the night as we celebrated on the Advent Sunday of joy. That was the night she became convinced and convicted that she was a sinner in need of a Savior, and she prayed to receive Christ that night. And so we have a tangible marker of her salvation, the night that she prayed to receive Christ, right there uh, from our family Advent wreath, that pink candle of joy. So now, as we celebrate our Advent family Advent wreath, she always lights the pink candle. She is always the candle lighter on the Advent Sunday of joy. So anyway... It's it's uh it's a sweet tradition in our home. That is that's incredible, and I I say this every year, but I, I just love how how much you love Advent, but how much you know you can see from your experience with your family and you know what we do here at First Baptist, like what this tradition can bring into the celebration of Christmas, but the understandings that we have of the Bible and just kind of the 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 practice of our faith, give, yeah. giving it legs in this month. Absolutely. And and living it out at home. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, we affirm and say quite a quite a lot here at First Baptist Church that the chief disciplers in the household are to be the parents, you know. And so if you have been entrusted with stewardship of children, one of those uh, weighty responsibilities that's upon you is raising up your children in the ways of the Lord, teaching them what it means to trust and follow Jesus, and and functionally coaching them according to the Word of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as to how to live life uh, trusting and following Jesus and to walk by faith. And so that's just a way that, that we get to do that, and uh, there is power in tradition. And... Um, Tradition is often seen as a bad word, but it can be a very, very good thing as we return to those things that are bedrock foundations of our lives, and we do that on a regular basis. So beautiful stuff, just beautiful. Amen. So this Sunday, we talked about Simeon and Anna. So these are two characters that you encounter in Luke 2 when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to be dedicated in the temple. It's kind of kind of a longer passage, so we're not going to read the whole thing here, but we're going to ask some questions and kind of try to understand these characters a little deeper and how the the joy of the Lord, we can learn about the joy of the Lord through their interactions. So first of all, Luke says that Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And then the Gospel of Luke explicitly calls Anna a prophetess. Yes. So how do these two characters fit in continuity between Malachi and John the Baptist? So... Anna is called specifically a prophetess, a woman of the tribe of Asher. Uh, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. Uh, And it says of her that she did not depart from the temple and that she worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. And that when she came up and encountered Jesus, um, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. 
to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And so here Anna is this woman who is dedicated to the things of God, dedicated to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is the coming of the Messiah. And when the Christ child is presented, she magnifies Almighty God, and she gives thanks to God and speaks of God and his Messiah to all those who were there waiting for the redemption of Israel. And so what is she doing? She is speaking the truth of Almighty God to human beings who are gathered there. And then Simeon, who who is mentioned before her, we learn that it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before um, he had seen the consolation of Israel, uh, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so we think sometimes, say, well, well, I've, I've even been asked, was there a, a Holy Spirit before Pentecost? Yes, God is triune, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are co-equal in their godness, and they are co-eternal. There was never a time that the Father was not or will not be. There was never a time that the Son was not or will not be. And there was never a time that the Holy Spirit was not or will not be. And we learn at the very beginning in Genesis that the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the water. And so uh, the Holy Spirit was present, active, and certainly existed and was doing things in the world throughout the Old Testament. Um, And the Holy Spirit was present in the life of Simeon and present in the life of Anna. And so we get to see that these people who were devoted to Almighty God um, experienced the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, but also experienced the knowledge given by the Holy Spirit. You know, when prophets in the Old Testament spoke, they spoke according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, such that when they said, "'Thus saith the Lord,' That was utterance given them by the Holy Spirit. So these are two very special people who love the Lord and serve the Lord and seek to listen to the Lord uh, as he communicates his truth into their hearts by his Holy Spirit. Jeff, I know you've seen the Ten Commandments, the the movie with Charles Neston. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. I always think of the old Hebrew slave who's dying, and he says, I was told I would see the deliverer, you yeah. know, but he's in Moses' arms, so you know, he did get to see him. Yeah. Um, I, I always think of that when I think of Simeon, because it's like, you know, he he got to see him, you know, he yeah. was told he would he would see him, and God was faithful to accomplish that. Um, I always wonder if that was based on Simeon. Uh, you know, it very well may have been. Yeah, you know, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille uh, took some creative license, you know, obviously, anytime you're going to make a... a, a film-length presentation of a lot of what's in Scripture. Um, I heard a preacher say one time, the Bible is understatement, not overstatement, because if it were overstatement, there wouldn't be enough paper on the in the world to, to hold it all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could be. I always go back to the Christmas cantata. When I was in the choir at the Cumberland Presbyterian Church growing up one year, um, we as the tenors, I was a tenor at that point, we sang from the perspective of Simeon. I can still remember the song. I can still remember the words. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll say, now that I've held him in my arms, my life can come to an end. Let your servant now depart in peace, for I've seen your salvation. He's a light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And uh, I'll say a couple things there. One, about the power of music and writing uh, songs upon your heart and writing truth upon your heart. 
Um, that is a very important part of the soundtrack of my life. So I'm very thankful for the work of Ricky Clark and all of our um, ministry of music and our choir and our orchestra and all the various elements of that, because that is actively writing good theology upon the hearts of our congregation and of everyone who is a part of our service, whether that's in person or in virtual means, but also just to know the continuity of all of this. You know, these these people, Simeon and Anna were not young people. They had lived their entire lives. Simeon was ready to die. He was ready. And he was kind of, it sounds like from what he said, kind of just lingering, you know, uh, please, Lord, let me see the consolation of Israel. I'm, I'm ready to be done. And then here's Anna, who's so devoted to the Lord and, and who's 84 years old. And, and at this point in history, 84 is different than 84 today. I know some very, very active and, and very, very spry 84-year-olds. Um, but, you know, they didn't have health care in the same way uh, back in this day. So, you know, here's Anna, and she encounters the Christ child, and she, she worships God as a result of this encounter. And it's just a beautiful thing. It is, and it's such a beautiful scene reading about these two characters interacting with Jesus and and understanding on some level that he is the Christ. But but that begs the question: how, how do they understand what the Christ is? You know, like yeah. Uh, so where where does the concept of Christ come from, and how could they possibly know about it before Jesus, you know, did his thing? Great question, and obviously it comes from the teaching of the Old Testament. It comes from Torah, and it comes from the writings, and it comes from the prophets, and uh, there's no doubt that these individuals were schooled in God's revelation of himself through what we call the Old Testament. What they had was was what many would call the Hebrew Scriptures, and so it's, it's our current Old Testament, but they obviously were students of the Scriptures, and so they knew what to be looking for, and that's an important thing for us today. You know, even as we think about the second coming of Christ, and, and so many people have so much to say about those sorts of things, um, and it's easy if we don't know the Word of God to fall into deception. But clearly, Simeon and Anna knew the Word of God, and they knew to be looking according to the Holy Spirit, who was who was not only illuminating the Word of God to them, but illuminating um, God's truth within them. They knew to be looking for the Christ child. And so they had this, this revelation from the Holy Spirit. This is He. This is the one. And uh, this is the Messiah. So, so they were... Uh, they were aware of the teachings of God through the Word of God, and that prepared them to embrace the new thing that God was doing and fulfilling all of those prophecies and promises in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So even when this little bitty baby comes in to be presented at the temple and his poor parents, we know they were poor because they brought turtle doves. Mm-hmm. That was the poor people offering. Um, they they show up, and they're going to do the right thing according to Almighty God. And they get to see, Simeon and Anna get to see um, God bringing that promise to fruition in their very presence. But yeah, it goes back to knowing the word. You know, the, the prophet Hosea, we would call him a minor prophet just because the book is smaller, but Hosea was very much a, a major prophet, just as all the major all the prophets were major prophets, I would say. Um, but in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God says through the prophet, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. But notice what God says. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I think it's a travesty 
that more Bibles are available in more languages, in more places, in more formats than ever before. And yet I would say that we are probably more biblically illiterate than we have been in a very long time. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how many Bibles exist if we don't read them. It doesn't matter how many Bibles we own if we never open them. Uh, it doesn't matter how many Bible apps we have on our phone if we never allow the Word of God to come off of our phone and into our hearts. And so um, just a great reminder, know the Word of the Lord. Uh, don't be destroyed because of your lack of knowledge. Read the Word and let the Word take root within you. And then as you walk by faith, you walk by the informing of the Spirit, bringing to mind and to heart the Word of God through your journey. That's the way it works. And Simeon and Anna, I believe, are great examples of that. Yeah. You know, we're coming off of Hanukkah, so I'm thinking of the the story of the Maccabees a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And one teaching that I heard about it from Rabbi Yaakov Wolby was that the, you know, we there's the Maccabees, you know, the good guys who stand up for, you know, the God of Israel and the the way of life that he had given to them. Um, but really what's what's at stake in the story, if you don't know it, is that, you know, there's an evil overarching empire that's trying to get the Jewish people to abandon the Torah. So yeah. um, the Jewish people had a choice. Do they either keep to the Torah, so keep to the way of God, or do they abandon it and become, you know, Hellenized or mm-hmm. give in to Greek religion and culture and thought and so on? Um, so they're presented with this question, and, you know, the Maccabees, the the faithful ones— won out and they, you know, they got independence for a time. And so it's like a very happy story, but we kind of forget that there were Jewish people who thought about abandoning the Torah. Yeah. Um, so there's a connection though to the New Testament in this story because a lot of the Jewish people who did kind of, you know, Hellenize and abandon things were then all of a sudden left with, you know, the Greeks getting kicked out and, you know, being left in Israel when it's independent and it is religious. So they're like, oh, well, we'll kind of just take a step back and become religious again. But what that ended up becoming is the Sadducees. Yeah. So you start to have, you know, religious Jews who do believe in the Bible, but like they're not like as fully invested in it, right? Yeah. There's like some room for other influences, room for other friends and, you know. Yeah, it's the theological liberals of the day. Yeah. I mean, that, that really is, you know, we deny the miraculous. We hold very loosely to the to the word. In other words, we pick the things we like and that's what we hold to. Yeah. And um, that's the way we're going to build our lives. And so we want to be Jewish, but not too Jewish, you yeah. know? Uh, it, it's the same to, to groups of Christians today who say, you know, I want to be Christian, but not too Christian. You know, there's some parts of the Bible that we just need to become unhitched from. We need to mm-hmm. leave those behind. And uh, that's never what God called us to be. And uh, I, I, I learned a song when I was in ministry going to youth camp um, that the Sadducees are, are very, very sad, you see. Mm. And so you want to you wanna not want to be a Sadducee. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that takes us nicely in today's practical application question, and it's really about the joy of the Lord and how we retain that in suffering and in trial. So we've all heard that there's a difference between happiness and joy. So we hear that you know joy is the more spiritual, it's the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the more lasting of the two. But how do we cultivate and keep joy and keep it from becoming just empty positivity? That's a great question, and I, I let me first differentiate between happiness and joy. And and to me, this is the clearest way to do that. Uh, Happiness is contingent upon circumstances. Joy is not. 
Uh, I can be happy one second and things change and I'm not happy anymore. Um, I can be happy as I look at the performance of the stock market and then just minutes later I can watch the the green graph turn red and now I'm ha- now I'm sad. I'm not happy anymore. Uh, I can be happy because I got what I wanted for Christmas, but then I'm sad because the batteries weren't included. <laughs> I mean, you know, so <laughs> happiness is contingent upon circumstances. Joy, as you said, is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it is uh, contingent upon God being who He is and keeping His word. And so joy uh, comes as a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, calling me to look to Almighty God and to trust in Him, that ultimately all will be well, that God is actively working all things together for good to those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. And if I'm in Jesus Christ, man, that includes me. So that joy can sustain me even through the deepest and darkest of circumstances. How do we keep that sort of disposition from merely becoming empty positivity or positivism? There was a movement in the late 60s um, about the power of positive thinking. In fact, that was the name of a book, and it it sort of infiltrated the church in a lot of ways. Um, And and it was this idea of just stay positive, And, and frankly, it was a precursor in many ways, to the current movement of manifesting. You know, that's the thing that that Gen Z has become very intrigued with through TikTok, that we manifest the good. I think these good things, and and that that brings them into reality. It's it's another emanation of the word faith movement, the speak it into reality. Uh, As a man speaketh, so shall he get, you know, this name it, claim it ideology, and all of it is, is... departing from biblical Christianity, frankly. It's it's how do I get what I want? And one of the ways that I get what I want according to these teachings is I just stay positive all the time. Well, you know, that there's there's a difference between dealing with reality as it is, taking the world as it is, not as I would have it, and walking by faith through that if that makes sense. So as I embrace the joy of the Lord as my strength that cometh in the morning, you know, all the things the Bible says about it, it is a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling with me and my keeping my eyes fixed on Christ. Empty positivism fixes my eyes on an idol. In other words, I want a brand new car. So I'm going to be positive. I'm going to get it. I'm going to, in the words of common parlance these days, I'm going to manifest that. I'm going to speak that into existence. I'm going to believe that's going to happen. Yeah, no, that's nowhere in Scripture. Um, And it is taking my eyes off of Jesus and putting my eyes on the new car. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, in a very similar fashion, What I treasure, what I worship, even in some cases, will be where my eyes go. And the Bible calls us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Get that. 
for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy? Reunion with the Father. What was the joy? The redemption of mankind. What was the joy? The ingathering of the church, those who would repent of sin and trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord. What was the joy? The the destruction of evil, the defeat of Satan, um, the victory over the grave. What was the joy? You know, all of these things that were true, I can assure you the cross was not a happy moment for Jesus. When we go to Gethsemane and we hear him pray, Lord, all things are possible for you. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Why did he say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done? Well, the Bible tells us it was for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He thereby scorned the shame and then finished the task and sat down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So that's kind of the difference there. We don't want to just slide into to empty positivism, and we certainly don't want to slide into some sort of idea where we are seeking to manifest things just by thinking them or speaking them, those sorts of things. That, that is not Christian ideology. It's not Christian teaching. It's very similar to the idea of karma. You know, we throw that word around a lot. Well, karma is a distinctly Hindu principle that has to do with reincarnation and, and Eastern religious practices that are distinctly non-Christian. And so, we, we don't use that sort of a language because it is very easy to derail our direction and our faith. So I would just encourage people, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus. What does he say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, look to Jesus, seek Jesus, trust and follow Jesus, through Jesus, come to the God, the Father Almighty, and he will take care of your needs. And, uh, and, and so that's how. That's beautiful, and that's succinct. Keep your, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the way to keep in, keep in joy and not fall into empty positivity. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any questions, as always, you can go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Yeah, and before we pray, let me just extend a personal invitation. This next Sunday is Christmas Eve, and it is on a Sunday. We will have morning worship, and we would love for you to be there. And then we will have a separate and different Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m., and we would love for you to be there. And I have to confess, Christmas Eve is probably my favorite service of the year. And we will end it as we always do, uh, singing a song that is the exact same age as our church and singing that song by candlelight as we prepare to exit out into the evening. So I want to personally invite you to come. If you can be there in person at all, please come and experience those wonderful services where we will all together look to the Christ child and we will magnify the Lord just like Simeon and Anna did that night. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for all the ways in which you reveal your love for us to us. And Lord, we're just thankful. We are thankful for your goodness, your kindness, and most of all, we are thankful for the Christ child who came to redeem us, to make the way through which we could come to you. And so, Lord, let us not forget this Christmas the true reason for the season, and let us rest in Christ. For it's, his, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. 
To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.